first day of the new year, 2017, and you have a card with our verse on it, and we would encourage you not to just reflect on it today or for this week, but to reflect on what it's got to say to us here at Chippenham throughout the coming year, and then 2018, God willing, we will have another verse. I intend to leave enough time at the end so that we finish by 12, so that we can all participate in this time of communion together. And I would encourage you to stay, if you're a Christian, to do what the Lord has commanded us to do. And if you're not a Christian, just please stay and watch what happens. Well, that's our verse for 2017, and not just for today, but for the year. Sometimes the the Bible is difficult to understand and you need to read the whole context in order to get the picture. But sometimes there is a big picture and sometimes the Bible is very clear about what it has to say to us. So there's no ambiguity, there's no misunderstanding. You will be familiar with the verses which says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's an all-encompassing verse. It means everybody has sinned and everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. And there are other verses which are equally clear. But sometimes we need to look at the big picture in order to get the message of what the Bible is trying to say to us. Often the message can be lost in a thousand words. And just to make a point, just to give you some indication of why this is important and not to make any other point whatsoever. Three months ago, I well, had been doing some work with the Set Squared group of universities in the south, that's Bath, Bristol, Exeter, and Southampton. And they set up a conference to see, or to look at a group of graduates and, under, and postgraduates who, to see what was necessary in order to build a business which was successful. So what do you do? And there were three distinguished academics, and there was a fourth person, me, and I was wondering why I was there, and I think they were wondering why I was there as well. We all had 15 minutes to say what we had to say, and I was on last, and time was running out just as it is today, and so I decided to just look at the big picture, and I gave them six things which were necessary in order to give them the possibility of succeeding. The first was, is there a market for what you want to do? The second one, is there an addressable market? By by that I mean a market you can reach. The third one is, do you have the right technical skills? Fourth was, do you hiring people with the right character who buy into the culture you're trying to set up? Are you quick in making decisions? And the last point was, prioritize your time and stop sending emails because they're confusing and they're a waste of time and they consume so much energy. And then I finished. That took me about two minutes, and we were still within the allotted hour. And then there was a time of questions, and then there was a feedback session. And interestingly enough, there were two or three hundred there, I can't remember the exact number. But these undergraduates and postgraduates, in their summary, in their feedback, said what they enjoyed most was the, the chap we spoke at the end, it was short. And uh, it helped us understand what we're trying to do. So seeing the big picture is sometimes sometimes important. So what is the big picture in relation to our verse today? 
And I would sum it up in two ways. It tells you and me, this is what we need to do to live the Christian life. That's the first part of the big picture. And the second thing, which is really important and really helpful, and if it wasn't there, we'd be struggling, our verse tells us what to do. So it tells us how we should live the Christian life, and it tells us what we need to do or how we should do it. So have this in mind as we consider our two verses. Now, nowhere in the Bible are we promised that life is going to be easy. In fact, just the opposite. Life is often difficult and challenging. John chapter 16 and verse 33 says this, the Lord Jesus said it, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Difficulties will come, and trials will cross our paths, and for some of us, very often. And what's the outcome of that? We will be tempted, tempted to give up the race, and give up on God, and give up on our Christian life. So what has Hebrews got to say to us in relation to that sort of approach to everyday living? The book was written to a church which was getting old, and was becoming shaped by the world, and how easy it is for that to happen. It was losing focus, and they forgot that they were in a battle, and hence they weren't as vigilant as they were, they weren't as energetic as they had been, and therefore the inevitable happens when you've got that set of circumstances. They begin to backslide. And the same thing would happen to us, if we follow the pattern which they had said. One commentator said about this church, their hands were grown weak and their knees were feeble. When you reach such a state, it's very easy to just meander in the crowd and meander in the crowd of life, following the easy path. Their spiritual state, which is why he wrote this book of Hebrews, greatly distressed. The, the author. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 says, we must pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. Then in Hebrews chapter 3 and verses 12 and 13, he warns again, take care. So two warnings there. It's easy for us all to drift away. And he warns us to take care. And it's easy for us not to take care. We're so distracted by so many scenes. It would seem they heard they were no longer taking care. They'd given up on that. The outcome of such an attitude is to bring on a sense of lazy self-security, being oblivious to what was actually happening. And how easy that is to happen to us. It is like they felt there was not much at stake. Not much for me to be worried about. So reading the Bible praying, coming to church on Sundays, seeking God's help to fight sin, and working for the gospel, which the Bible clearly encourages us to do. Well, they're just options. If you want to do them, fine. If you don't, it doesn't matter. Because in the end, all is going to be well. How foolish that is. Just thinking at the end, all's going to be well. I don't have to actually do anything. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. I don't have to meet with God's people. 
I don't have to give my energy and my commitment to God's work, because in the end it's all going to be okay. How foolish. Hebrews was written to teach them and us that this was not the case. These Christians were enduring a terrible time of trial and persecution. In the light of that, the writer is attempting to encourage these weary, hurting believers to be faithful to the Lord and importantly to continue to run the race. Now the Bible has much to say about racing. At the end of his life, he wrote to, he wrote, Paul wrote to Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. To win the race, it is necessary to have discipline, determination and endurance. When Paul was on his way to uncertain future in Jerusalem, knowing only that bonds and imprisonment awaited him, he said to the elders at Ephesus, but none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, the joy of victory. Now the author of Hebrews is comparing the Christian life to a race. We talked about the race of life as we saw that video clip of Michael Jones. He isn't talking about a 100 meters dash. Instead, he's referring to a marathon, a race which is 26 miles and 386 yards. But just use that as an illustration to show it's a long race. It's not something you pick up on a Sunday and leave on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then pick it up again. According to those who keep a track on what is happening in churches today, the FIC did a bit of a survey, many are not running and others seem to be dropping out on every hand. There are times when it's easy to be discouraged, and it's easy for each of us to be discouraged about our own race. There's a man called David Tryon, who would be known just perhaps to a few of us here, who was a wonderful leader of many camps for young people, and said that in Christian work, and this is an interesting statement, in Christian work, we need an infinite capacity to be disappointed by each other. When trials come, there may be the temptation to drop out for a while and let others do the running. How easy it is to fall into that frame of mind. Now here at Ladyfield, we have been blessed by many who are up and running. It's a huge encouragement to us as elders to see lots of people getting involved in the work of God here. Our verse today encourages us to stay in the race. Now, just not race from Sunday, but race every day of the week. It's seven days a week. And the interesting thing is, there's one thing in this world we've all got the same amount of. It's not money or energy. It's not a big home or a small home. What we've all got the same amount of is time. While we're alive, we all have the same amount of time. It's how we use that time, which is important. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So I want us to look at this in three ways. Now, we may not get to the third way, because I promised I wouldn't overrun. But if you were able to come tonight, we'll pick up the last point. 
But what I want you to remember is really what the Bible has to say in those two words. Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance or patience the race which is set before us. And the answer we do is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The first one is consider the saints. The author began this chapter, he draws our attention back to chapter 11, where he mentioned many of the great heroes and heroines of the faith. These people are the great cloud of witnesses that inspire you and me to run the race we have begun. These truths are about remarkable people and they can give us encouragement in our race. Now, they were remarkable people as you read their stories in the rest, mainly in the Old Testament. But in many ways, they were ordinary people, but they ran their race. The saints were people who ran the race they had been given. They didn't try and run other people's race. They ran the race which God had given them. Interesting enough, they didn't run the perfect race. Liddell ran the perfect race when he won the 400 meters. And Usain Bolt ran the perfect races in the last Olympics. But they, their race of life and the things they did wasn't the perfect race, but they ran. And there was that chap from an African company was, country who was in the 100 meters, and he had no chance of even winning his heat. I think he was at 50 meters when Bolt had finished. But he finished the race. He kept running, and he got a huge ovation from the crowd. They did not quit until the race was finished. They endured unspeakable pain and suffering, but still they ran, referring to those in Hebrews chapter 11. And they should stand as an encouragement and a challenge to the rest of us. This was faith at the dawn of history. Abel, Cain, Enoch, Noah, Abraham. Faith of the patriarchs, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. And there are those who overcome by faith, Gideon, Samson, David, and Samuel, and a whole host of others who we can think, think of today. We can think of Jim Elliot and George Muller and F.S. Arnott and David Livingstone. They are heroes of faith, and they ran their race, and they didn't quit until they'd finished. We are familiar with their stories, which give visible evidence of God's faithfulness. And that history is shining out across the generations, down through the centuries. Men and women in every land have been inspired by reading about the heroes of faith. They testify to us in our race how great is our God and how great can be our trust in our God. Those we have read about in chapter 11 should be a challenge to us, inspiring us to step out in faith as we face together today here, even in our town, in a hostile and challenging world. We have their history in Hebrews 11. We have the outcome of their lives contained in the Bible. We can see it was a hard fight. We can see it was a tough race. They had difficulties which are well recorded in the Bible. They knew how hard it was to do what was right. They fought through and kept going and it ended in victory. Why? Because the mighty hand of God was upon them. They received their reward. These people ran the race, and now they're able to rest in the Father's presence. 
Because they ran well, they have received the reward. When the race is over, we ourselves, if we've committed ourselves to the race of life and we're those who were born again by the Spirit of God, we will go to be with those heroes and heroines of faith, where we too will receive the reward earned during the course of our life here on earth. And the other interesting thing and important thing about Hebrews 11 is they revealed that God is reliable. And that should be a huge further encouragement to us. We often say that God's promises are yea in all men. We have testified here as a church and I'm sure as individuals that God's promises are sure and certain. They're unconditional promises. He meets and he does what he says he's going to do. And we can derive from these saints. It's the fact that they are proof of the Lord's reliability. If God took care of them, honoured their faith, sustained them for all the difficulties, kept them, used them, blessed them, and got glory from their lives, then he can do the same for you and me. He will be with us, just as he was with Moses, Abraham, and David, and all the other great heroes and heroines, heroines of faith. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 tells us, in unequivocal words, God is completely dependable. So we've just considered the saints. Secondly, consider ourselves. We must make proper pre preparations. The verse says, let us lay aside every encumbrance or the sin or weight which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, it's important to note that this command did not just come out of the blue. This is the point of the whole book of Hebrews. Endure, persevere, run, fight, be alert, be strengthened, don't drift, don't neglect, don't be sluggish. Fight the fight of faith on the basis of Christ's spectacular death and resurrection. So the main point of this text, the main point of our verse, is the one imperative... And if you forget much of what I've said, the one imperative is this, run. Run the race of life which is set before you. To this end, verse 1 says, lay aside every encumbrance or weight and sin which so easily entangles us. And how we can all, each of us, relate to that. So easy to sin, it's so easy to be dragged down by those things which stop us. But I just want to make a key point here, which is for all of us. It says, lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so eagerly and easily entangles us. Things that in themselves may not be sins. Someone said that the fight of faith, the race of the Christian life, is not fought well or won well by asking this question. What's, what's wrong with this or that? But by asking this question, which is quite a different question, is it in the way of greater faith and greater love and greater purity and greater courage and greater humility and greater patience and greater self-control? If not, it's a sin. But these but does this, and the other question to us is, but does it help me to run 
Is it in the way? So all those things which we can list, are they stopping us running our race? In themselves, they may be perfectly permissible. And they're not things which the Bible says we shouldn't do. But what he's saying here is, ask the right question. Are they stopping me running the race which we're, we're asked to race in Hebrews chapter 12? Young people here, and I guess it applies to all of us as well, don't ask about your music. Don't ask about your movies or your parties or your habits. You may ask, what's wrong with it? The question to ask, though, is does it help me run the race? Does it help me run for Jesus? That's the key question. Some of these things are fine in themselves. But are they stopping you run the race as the Bible tells us to run with endurance, run with patience, don't give up, put him first. Listen to what the Bible has to say. Care about what's going on. Hebrews 12 is a command to look and think hard about what you and I are doing and then get ruthless about what stays and what goes. Think about the entangling sins, sins which slow you down and me down and the seemingly innocent weights and encumbrances that are not committed, condemned implicitly in the Bible but which you know are holding you back in the race for faith. God has spoken this command not for nothing and the entire book is written to undergird these practical commands. So I would encourage each of us to go back and read the book and ask God to take all the glorious truth that is here about the superiority of Christ and the power of his death and resurrection and the effectiveness of his intercession for you and me and make this truth, this truth effect, effective with its life-changing power. So we consider those who have gone before saints of the past, we consider what this means to us. And the third point, which we'll pick up tonight, but if you're not able to be here, I suggest you think about it. It's very clear in the second part of the, of the on the second verse, consider the Savior. As I said at the beginning, the big picture is we're, we're called to run a race. But the great thing is we're taught how to run the race looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who is the joy set before him, despised the cross, despised the shame, enduring the cross. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father on high. So it's a worth, verse worth contemplating as we come to the first day of 2017. It's about the race of life, but I just have to say now, lastly, there are in fact two races going on. There's the race of the Christian, the person who has been born again by the Spirit of God. And there's a finishing line which he is heading for. And the prize when you get through that line is sure and certain. And it's called being born again, being saved by the power of the gospel, the life-changing power of the gospel. And there's a narrow way and there's a broad way. And on the narrow way are those who love the Lord and want to serve him and seek to run a race in his strength. And there's a broad way which lots of people are on. 
the narrow way leads to a place in heaven. So we will join with all those of Hebrews 11 and countless millions of others who have given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and have run the race of life for him. And then there's those on the Broadway. There are another race. Sounds good at the moment. While we're there, it's wide. There's no obstacles. Do what you like. Say what you like. And that road doesn't lead to heaven. The Bible's very clear. It leads to destruction. And the Bible says there are many there be that on it. If you haven't committed your life to the Lord Jesus and placed your faith and trust in him, I'd ask you to go back and consider the Savior. See what he's done for you and me. And place your faith and trust in him. And then run the race of life. The imperative is, in these verses, to run. And it requires commitment. It requires dedication. It requires energy. It requires focus. And it requires a picture of where the final prize is, which is available to all those who place their faith and love in the Lord Jesus. So we'll come back to the third point tonight, if you're able to come. As I promised, I would finish by 12. So we're going to have our time of communion now, and I would encourage everybody to stay. We'll be finished by 12. And it's for all those who know and love the Lord Jesus. If you're not used to staying, that's fine, but just join with us together as a group of God's people here to give thanks to him for the Savior, who was the third point I was going to raise. We're just going to sing two verses, or verse 3, sorry, verses two, 1 and 2 of We Rest on These. We'll stand to sing, and then we'll immediately go into communion. So please stay if you're able to. Let's stand to sing. <coughs>